Welcome to Idlewild Cottage, a quiet place where kindred spirits can linger together over a cup of tea, savoring all things lovely and cozy. My name is Juliana, and I'm delighted to have you. Each episode here at the cottage will center around a theme. That theme will be celebrated in a number of ways, through literature, art, nature, and even some favorite movie scenes, we'll cherish the sweet and simple things of life. So make yourself at home, and I'll put the kettle on. Hello, friends. I hope you had a lovely Easter and that this season's Signs of Life continue to bring you joy, beauty, and encouragement. One of those signs of life is the marked increase in the bird population. Today's episode is what I call a wee cuppa, a bit shorter than usual, but just as cozy, and today, somewhat fluffy, too. For today, we will find joy in the soft, downy feathers of the ducks and geese that make their presence known in farmyard, wayside pond, and other favorite literary haunts. Let's begin by painting a portrait of us all together here at the cottage. It's a mild spring day, so we'll saunter through the garden, shawls draped across our shoulders, arms linked. I'd like to first invite you to stroll leisurely around the merry tulip border. As we admire the vibrant reds, pinks, and yellows, we can't help but notice the little grunts and squawks around our feet. Those are the cottage geese making their presence known. As they waddle and dart their shiny little eyes our way, perhaps some of us might aspire to be like the mysterious girl whom Anne Shirley, now Anne Blythe, first sees upon arriving with Gilbert at their new home in Four Winds Harbor. They had not met anybody on the moist red road that wound along the harbor shore, but Just before they came to the belt of birch which hid their home, Anne saw a girl who was driving a flock of snow-white geese along the crest of a velvety green hill on the right. The girl was tall and wore a dress of pale blue print. She walked with a certain springiness of step. She and her geese came out of the gate at the foot of the hill as Anne and Gilbert passed. She stood with her hand on the fastening of the gate and looked steadily at them, with an expression that hardly attained to interest, but did not descend to curiosity. It seemed to Anne for a fleeting moment that there was even a veiled hint of hostility in it, but it was the girl's beauty which made Anne give a little gasp. To discover more about this mysterious beauty, I encourage you to read Anne's House of Dreams, written by Lucy Maud Montgomery, in 1922. Our reference to this girl will prompt one of the kindred spirits here among our party to pipe in with another book title. Sarah recalls a book written in 1902 by Kate Douglas Wigan called The Diary of a Goose Girl. The early pages of this short story will tempt us to add this intriguing title to our reading list. A goose girl, like a poet, is sometimes born, sometimes otherwise. I am of the born variety. No training was necessary. I put my head on a pillow as a complicated product of modern civilization on a Tuesday night 
And on a Wednesday morning, I awoke as a goose girl. If we follow the Idlewild Cottage tulip border away from the house toward the woods, further extricating ourselves from the complications of modern civilization like the goose girl, we will pass by the dearest little pond. Here lives a family of ducks. Take a seat on this stone bench here, and, as we've done for the past few episodes, we'll imagine ourselves once again swept into Kenneth Graham's 1908 world, The Wind in the Willows. The rat was sitting on the riverbank, singing a little song. He had just composed it himself. Since early morning, he had been swimming in the river in company with his friends the ducks. And when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly, as ducks will, he would dive down and tickle their necks till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him. At last, they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the riverbank in the sun and made up a song about them, which he called Duck's Ditty. All along the backwater, through the rushes tall, ducks are a-dabbling, up tails all. Ducks tails, drakes tails, yellow feet a-quiver. Yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river. We'll leave the ducks to their dabbling and meander toward the farmyard now, where the imagination of Beatrix Potter has come alive. Naughty Tom Kitten, Moppet, and Mittens have been warned by their mother, Now keep your frocks clean, children. Keep away from the dirty ash pit and from Sally Henny Penny and the Puddle Ducks. Of course, bit by bit, the kittens manage to smudge, smear, and lose their frocks, much to the delight of the Puddle Ducks in the tale of Tom Kitten. While they were in difficulties, there was a pit-pat-paddle-pat, and the three puddle ducks came along the hard high road, marching one behind the other. They stopped and stood in a row and stared up at the kittens. Then the two duck birds, Rebecca and Jemima Puddle Duck, picked up the hat and tucker and put them on. Mittens laughed so that she fell off the wall. Moppet and Tom descended after her. The pinafores and all the rest of Tom's clothes came off on the way down. Come, Mr. Drake Puddle Duck, said Moppet. Come and help us dress him. Come and button up Tom. Mr. Drake Puddle Duck advanced in a slow, sideways manner and picked up the various articles. But he put them on himself. It's a very fine morning, said Mr. Drake Puddle Duck. And he and Jemima and Rebecca Puddle Duck set off up the road. Let's wend our way back to the front porch, where we'll pass around teacups and sandwiches. This week, I'll steep a tea from sweet little Beatrix Potter tea tins. Would you care for English breakfast or Earl Grey? As we nibble and sip, I'll bring out a basket of picture books, sharing some of the duck stories I enjoyed reading to my children when they were growing up. Of course, top of the list are Make Way for Ducklings by Robert McCloskey and Jemima Puddle Duck by Beatrix Potter. You, in turn, will share some of your favorites, such as the story about Ping, Petunia, 
Tasha Tudor's Mother Goose, and Angus and the Ducks. Here's another book which always made my kids giggle, Our Animal Friends at Maple Hill Farm. The illustrations and witty text have entertained children and their parents for decades. In this excerpt, we learn about the contrary geese. The geese are nearly perfect, at least they act that way. They are strong and healthy, they never catch cold. Geese eat grass and weeds and hay and corn and almost anything else that is good to eat. Geese have wonderful eyesight and keen ears. Geese are good swimmers and good mothers and fathers. The only trouble with geese is geese have bad tempers. They are greedy, they are grabby, they are grouchy. They grumble, they gabble, they grinch. They grunch and they grabble. That's the trouble with geese, who otherwise are nearly perfect. Well, my friends, it has been absolutely perfect to have you with me today. In closing, let's look to the Psalms for an encouraging reminder that the squawking geese, dabbling ducks, and twittering songbirds point us to the life and tender care God extends to each of us. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. Thank you for joining me today, dear ones. Watch your heels as you weave your way through the geese on your way out. And do come again soon to Idlewild Cottage. <laughs>